Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Welcome back, second hour, Wiggins America. We have a great hour ahead. We are going to focus a little bit more on some local issues. We don't do that as much as probably we should here, right on the border between Illinois and Missouri. But we are going to talk about Missouri issues in terms of not necessarily Eric Schmidt or county executive, those kind of get in the headlines, but Amendment 3, it passed. Weed is legal in the Constitution now of Missouri. We'll talk about whether that was too far or not. With a guy named Will Jones. Ticka ticka Will Jones. Director of Community Engagement and Outreach at Smart Approaches to Marijuana. We'll talk about that. I mean, really, at this point, it doesn't matter because it's going to be legal, but we do want to talk about what that means. So we'll do that this hour. Also, Old Roy will be back in, and we're going to talk about uh, all these problems with county votes, which I... Don't even know where to start. So we'll see how that goes because I'm pretty, pretty pissed off about that stuff. Uh, Here's what I'm not, though. Local issues, like I said, we don't talk about them enough. Illinois did not have a great night if you're a conservative Republican. But there were sections of Illinois that showed some, some real signs of life, and they were actually in our area. So as usual... The blue areas got bluer, but the red areas got redder, and I would say the moderate areas are getting redder. This part of the country, the metro east of uh, St. Louis here, that's where I live, Madison County, St. Clair County, these are two counties that had been very, very purple areas for a long, long time, and uh, and I would say in some sense, St. Clair County still is a little bit, but Madison County... It used to be called a judicial hellhole, by the way. Top five in the country, worst judicial systems. But we tr- we're we trending in the right direction. And I think that's, hey, you got to call your wins, right? Um, so this isn't national news, so bear with me. But we talk about Missouri, and we will talk about Missouri again this hour. But, but if you're in Missouri and you're listening to this, and you're like, I don't care about Illinois, consider these are your neighbors. These are the people that you meet And you know, and I'm one of them, so give us a little bit of leeway since uh, we're fighting the same fight as you are. We're just maybe on the other side of the river. In Edwardsville, it was a good night to be a Republican in Madison County. I'm reading this from the uh, Telegraph in Alton. Uh, The party continued to dominate the local political scene. According to the results that we know right now, anyway, the party, as in the GOP, gained a county clerk and sheriff on the local level, as well as a state senator, that's Erica Conway-Harris, and three circuit judges. Now, it's, that's a big deal, simply because 
for instance, with Erica Conway Harris being very close with the Annie Fry show, I've met her several times. Um, she's one of the very few who flipped a seat in Illinois, and it happened right here. That's a big deal. Republican sheriff candidate Jeff Connor was running. He was unopposed, though. And incumbent Republican uh, treasurer Chris Slusser were unopposed. Incumbent, I keep saying incumbent. Uh, Regional superintendents of schools Robert Worden and Michelle Muller were unopposed. So they retained their seats. These are Republicans. Now, Republican candidates in third Judicial District, the third Judicial District sub-circuit races also defeated their Democrat opponents. Um, looking at races like the county seat, board district 16. I mean, we're getting in the weeds here. Robert T. Meyer defeated incumbent Democrat Chris Hankins. And these are cl- close races, but they're trending redder, right? Um, Stacey Pace easily defeated Democrat challenger Charles Matheny in District 2. Republican John Janik <clears throat> easily defeated Democrat Emily Gavelski for the open District 20 seat. The, the, again, these are names that you may not have ever even heard, but they're wins. And, and, and relatively few voters decide these things. So this is why it's important to vote is not necessarily for the national stuff that gets all the headlines, but little things like this, they really matter. Uh, Democrat newcomer Allison Lamoth is one of the few that beat Republican Eric, Eric Crony in District 18. And there were a bunch of local referendums in Edwardsville Township. Voters approved an advisory referendum on whether federal government should create universal health care system. Um, Collinsville Township and Foster Township voters split on referendums on electric aggregation. Collinsville Township voted against it. Foster Township voted for it. Um, th- these are little things, but I just want to highlight here, here, here. That, that, this is how local it gets. The Glen Carbon Centennial Library District, the voters had an advisory question on whether the library should promote drag queen events to minors. Voters resoundingly rejected that idea. But that's, it's such few, we're talking about 3,900 people voted against 1,700 people. So... It's such a small sample size that your vote matters tremendously. Now, that one was a landslide, but other ones that are very close, like Erica Conway Harris, for instance. She beat Chris Tharp, the Democrat from Bethalto, who'd been appointed to fill that seat. She beat him. He was the incumbent, technically. So this stuff, uh, I just want to point out simply because uh, Illinois, especially, you might feel like you didn't get a lot done. We certainly didn't get any of the statewide races. And here's the update on on Amendment 1, <clears throat> which, if you're paying attention to it, is taking forever to count. And I was talking to a Republican strategist about this who uh, runs campaigns in Illinois, and I said, why is Amendment 1 taking so long to count? Now, if you don't know what Amendment 1 is, it's these co- a constitutional amendment to allow for con- our, uh, collective bargaining rights for Illinois state union workers only. It was very, very deceptively written and advertised as a workers' rights bill for all workers of Illinois, but it affects only 7% of workers in Illinois that are in state government unions. It gives them basically unfettered power to do whatever they want, to negotiate for whatever they want, with the very politicians that they turn around and then support. It's basically money laundering. 
and they want to enshrine that in the Constitution. They can already do this, mind you, legally. Nothing's stopping them from doing this now. But they want to put it in the Constitution so that, say, someday down the road, the legislature or the governorship flips or something, and they say, this is wrong, you shouldn't be doing this. Well, if it's in the Constitution, there's nothing anybody can do about it. So it's kind of a big deal. It was so deceptively written, and the way also that Illinois constitutional amendments happen, that you had to have, I think, <laughs> I'm doing this from memory now. <laughs> I'm not going to say this right. I'm not going to do So I'm not even going to try. But it's complicated. It has like a three-fifths majority has to either leave it blank or not vote on it, or there has to be a simple majority vote yes on it, like deliberately fill in the bubble. Right now, it's so it's so close that they can't call it. It looks like for sure it's going to miss one of the thresholds, but it might hit the other. So <clears throat> the, the the leaving the count the the ballot blank thing is what's apparently slowing down the count. And who knows when we're going to find out. And also, it's so close that they'll probably do a recount. So I, I can't tell you where that one is standing right now. Well, I actually just did tell you where it's standing. It's that we don't know the standing. So there's your update. All right. That's the local news. Okay? I think it's important to talk about these things. Even if you live on the other side of the river, at least you know how generally... Uh, your neighbors are moving. And right now, St. Clair County, Madison County, Illinois, that's the main parts of the Metro East. Not all of it. That's the that's the population centers of the Metro East. They're trending redder. Glad to report that. We'll be right back with Old Roy. We're going to talk about some of these big national counts that are still not in and why. And then we're going to talk with Will Jones, for, uh, Director of Community Engagement and Outreach at Smart Approaches to Marijuana about Amendment 3 in Missouri. Stick around. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Old Roy has decided to stick around and come back. He is uh, super annoying and does terrible radio, but I do appreciate your friendship. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to. I wanted to just have this conversation with you because we haven't had you in studio as much lately because you've been so busy opening your pub. You want to make that announcement or what? Do you want to go ahead or not? Sure. Please do. We've been waiting for this. Yes, uh, we are opening a a. Authentic, traditional Irish pub um, in the Metro East over in Highland, Illinois. On the square. On the square. In Highland. A um, couple of, another soft open to go, I think, but we'll be open in the next week or two for sure. Okay. Full, full on. Um, I know you said World Cup starts Monday and you guys wanted to be open for that, although you're not always going to be open on Mondays. Right. So you must yeah. be really... Like this week must be you're actually opening. Yeah, we're we're going to be open at least uh, partially. Okay, to for the start of the World Cup. So sweet. Uh, I will endorse the bar or the pub, I should say, as I have seen. Now I haven't seen the final product yet because you are working right up to the wire here. Mm-hmm. But it is super cool, and I'm not just saying that because you're my friend and I'm rooting for you, and <laughs> it's it's a cool place to go. But I mean. I think you have created a destination spot in the Metro East and Highland, which it's not, Highland isn't necessarily a place where you drive to for any particular reason usually, Right. but I think you have created that because that pub is big, mm-hmm. there are a lot of different places in it to kind of hang out, so you, you can almost go there and just walk around in the pub itself and feel like you're in different places, yeah. which I think is super cool, yeah, the way you designed it. kind of what we were it. going for, so. Yeah. So, <clears throat> there's... There's that. We've been waiting on that, and that's actually one of the reasons, main reason, why you haven't been here as much, but hopefully as things get going here, it'll get a little bit easier for you, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, <clears throat> let's talk, though, about this this midterm one more time. We talked about the night itself. We talked about moving for Well, we talked about where we're at now. Um, I will say that my feelings flipped from being very disappointed on election night to being okay with the fact that you know they are going to take the house the senate is still in play but this in particular is regardless of whether we use the other f word which is fraud or not nevada arizona and even other races than those but those are the big ones they're asking for people to question their integrity right that's not the wild dark web of deceit in the internet. I mean, we're we're talking about this is they are opening the door. What the hell is wrong with you if it takes you days and days and days to count the votes in Pima County? 
Right. What you've already been criticized for this for years now. And now you go into a midterm and you're still a week later counting votes. Why? What possible explanation? Now, in Maricopa, they had issues with the machines, which is a completely different Mm -hmm. and terrible issue. Right. But put that aside and talk about Nevada or other parts of Arizona. Why the hell would it take you that long to count votes? Maybe it is on the up and up, but you're inviting you're inviting people to say, why are you doing this? That looks suspicious. Yeah. Well, it it, <clears throat> it begs the question, is, is it, you know, a lot of people are going to shy away from the, the conspiracy of, of, you know, stealing the election. But you got to ask yourself, like your, to your point, did just sheer incompetence of the process. Yes. Yeah, that, even if it's not deliberate, yeah, you're you're still opening the door for malfeasance, even if it's not like direct people like trying to steal something, right? You're you're basically like just gomer piling into a you know a pile of ballots and being like, well, oh well, we'll see what happens. Well, and it's and it's shocking that more people aren't concerned. I mean, you look at a. a state like florida yeah the the population isn't even close yeah you you know you you so 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 much bigger state so many more people and they get it done it's like they learned their lesson with the hanging chad thing and they said we're not going to screw up anymore Mm -hmm. and they fixed it so why can't regardless of whether you like the fact that it's turning red or or whatever why why is it so hard for people to not see it can be done right, mm-hmm. and not only are you are you not doing it right in these other places, you're going above and beyond doing it to make it more wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it let's 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 cut to the chase here. It's Democrats. It's the Democrat Party that is doing it more and more wrong, and it is the Republican Party that is attempting to do it more right. That is a fact. Right, and they've they've painted the 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 effort to do it right as a suppression. Yes, and but even been... though that's what we've been, it's it's the form we've been doing for ages. Yeah. Yet now that's called voter suppression, right? Because that's what Democrats want, and that's the message they put out. So that's the message that gets out. Well, and it's partially true. If you're trying to suppress fake votes, you're still suppressing. Yes. Yes. And it, what's I'm not even getting into any sort of factual claims about fraud or anything in this mm-hmm. election because I don't want to make false claims and I don't want to speculate. Right now, I have no reason to speculate, but my whole point in bringing this up is that they are leaving the door wide open to everybody to speculate. And that pisses me off. Does it bother you, though, that that Republican politicians... When they have a chance to do something about it, they don't. They just wait until it happens, and then they complain about it again. Well, some don't, but it, it depends on the politician. It depends on the state. You know, th- there's some Republicans in some states that have been dynamic on this issue. And even in Georgia, they've passed some common sense laws that those aren't typically the the fighter Republicans that you think of, but they've done an okay job. Hmm. Florida's done amazing. Yeah. Um, some Republicans in Arizona have done okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, there needs to be more 
And I do believe it is happening, but it's not happening fast enough because obviously we're in the midst of it again this year. I think there's less than there was, maybe just because there weren't as many razor tight races. But any hope that they'll fix it I don't before twenty twenty four? Or at here's least what, improve it a little here's bit. Here's what they need to fix before twenty twenty four is <clears throat> they need to the laws that are on the books need to be enforced because a lot of Democrat AGs in states were just choosing to not enforce it because it benefited them politically. That is so morally wrong mm-hmm. to do that. The whole job you have is to enforce the law. Now you may not like the law, but you, you can't morally make it like you can make a case sometimes. Well, I'm morally against that law. You may be wrong, but you could make a case that I'm morally against something that affects people in such and such. That law does not do that. That's the law that you were elected under. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So you can't even make a, the claim that it's some sort of moral problem. You just politically think it's going to benefit you. I don't like that. So what's going to happen by 2024 is <clears throat> there there's going to be new standards. There's going to be laws that are changing at all times. So I can't tell you what's going to happen where. But this year what we did see and this is just this is the facts. This is the numbers is that Democrats are using now mail-in ballots to turn out their voters more. They're, they're just, they said, well, if that's the process, we're going to use that process. Republicans are not using that process. <clears throat> well, and, it's, it's not just to turn out voters. I think the, the Fetterman thing is a good example where they're trying to beat the October surprise. You know, yeah, they're, they're getting they're, it early. They're trying to beat out any bad news. Yeah. By getting, they said like seventy percent of the the Democrat vote was all done before the debate. Oh my god! I've not he heard had that. With Oz. Boy, I would be surprised by that. That sounds high, but of the for the the mail in. Oh, of mail in yeah, votes. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, and so that's what that's what Democrats have done, and there's been a huge shift because if you remember back in 2018 and before, Republicans used to be the early voters. They were the it was older voters. Mm-hmm. They would go to the polls early because they they were doing their civic duty, right. and Democrats would show up later because they were they were you know procrastinating. Well, that's completely flipped, mm-hmm. just because of political narrative, which is that uh, you can't trust the process when you mail it in. So Republicans have now done more in person voting, at least, and even more election day voting, and d- Democrats have moved to mail in voting. Uh, or early in-person voting, and Democrat, the Democrat Party has grabbed that, and they have turned out more voters for their side than they would have under the old system. Right, and that's not using the F word at all. That's not using fraud or anything. That's just say, that's just the facts. That now there are more Democrats that they're reaching who may not have shown up to vote simply because they're they're reaching them through the mail. They're contacting them earlier and Republicans need to do that stuff. That's if that's the way the game is going to be played, the Republicans are going to have to play that game. Now we can also talk about how early should voting start because that's a problem, right? Voting should not be starting in September. It just shouldn't. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And all this stuff, if you're going to mail in an absentee ballot or whatever, that that still existed before this all changed. So Mm -hmm. that's okay. But Florida's got it figured out. They have them counted going into election night. And then it's done. 
So you don't you you don't have to wait to find out. Well, what's the gap? And now I'm going to have another vote drop. Just right. that phrase itself asks questions. Oh, mm-hmm. there's another vote drop. <clears throat> what does that mean? Where are they coming from? Yeah. And all this analysis, it's like, why didn't you just have that done? Right. So that on election day, it's all done. We all know. Yeah. That's not even the topic I was going to talk about with you, but I think it's an important one. Yep. Um, thanks for coming in again, and, and congratulations on the bar. I should, I shouldn't say bar. It's a pub. It's a pub. It's a def. It's a different feel, mm-hmm. and it really is a feel. So I encourage you to check out. Can you say the name of it? Yeah, it's Tulligan's Irish Pub. Tulligan's. Yeah. Okay. I I, I was going to say Tulligan's because it's spelled either way is correct. Okay. So yeah. Tulligan's in Highland. All right, Old Roy, thanks for your time. Uh, we'll be right back with more Wiggins America. 97.1 FM Talk. On the phone with us is Will Jones. He's the Director of Community Engagement and Outreach at Smart Approaches to Marijuana in Washington, D.C. Will, thank you for your time this weekend. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about Missouri's amendment to allow uh, marijuana to be legal in, in Missouri. Just give us a little bit of the rundown of exactly what this amendment does, when it goes into effect, all of that if you have the info. Yeah, so the amendment, you know, essentially down the road, there's going to be some finer details that have to be worked out legislatively, but it's going to allow for uh, the recreational use, sale, and use of marijuana. And as an organization, that's something that we've, um, you know, that we have pushed back against um, in, you know, not just in Missouri, but other places where uh, where you know, legalization is being pushed, because we really see some negative public health uh, impacts from legalization and commercialization when we're looking at places like Colorado, Oregon, Washington State, uh, California, um, Massachusetts, and other places. And so, you know, our message, you know, there in Missouri and other places, we're working with people on the ground, community workers, prevention workers, people in uh, places that are connected to the community to minimize the impact of the of the commercial industry. So, Will, this is an interesting, um, I mean, the whole topic is interesting to me because it's one that doesn't seem to fall as much along partisan lines. You know, there are a lot of Republicans who are libertarian-leaning who say, you know, this is something that should be legal. We should let people decide. There are Democrats who say, no, I don't think so. I don't think this is something that's good for society. Big government, right? Um, what what exactly is the argument that you could make? Regard, you walk up to somebody or you're giving a speech somewhere you don't know where they land on the political spectrum. What do you tell them to get the message across that you think that legalizing recreational marijuana is a bad idea? Yeah, um, get this all the time. And um, you're right. Uh, a lot of even the polling um, and, you know, when we look at what's happened um, you know, in various states, it does seem like there's a large amount of support for legalization uh, independent of, you know, necessarily a political party. But Really, those polls are, are somewhat misleading because what most people want, and this is where we make a distinction as our organization, what most people want is they don't want people getting arrested or going to jail for marijuana use. And that's actually better achieved through decriminalization, which is what we advocate for as an organization, uh, that you know, using that marijuana as a substance, it shouldn't be a criminal a law enforcement thing um, if you're using what legalization, though, is, and that's different, and that's what we've pushed back against, legalization allows for commercialization. So that allows for the stores, that allows for the marketing, the social media ads and things like that. And so the big difference of that is, you know, we look in places like Colorado, there's more pot shops in Starbucks than McDonald's combined wow. in Colorado. 
So you drive down the street, right, or you're, you're walking down the street, you see a McDonald's or a Starbucks, replace that with a pot shop and add some more. And that's the level of saturation we're talking about. So just to get that, you know, that image in people's mind, and this is what I tell them, yes, we should all be on the same page about removing criminal penalties for, uh, you know, for personal possession or you know, if you have a joint, right, big deal. But that's a lot different than allowing an industry, a multi-billion dollar industry to become embedded in a state or in the country that is literally going to profit off of addiction. Um, and so that's what we are pushing back against in the message that, you know, that we're carrying out. So, Will, I'm sure when you talk to people, and I'm for, for clarity's sake here, I have absolutely no position on this. It's actually an issue that I don't talk about a whole lot simply because I don't really have an opinion. But I, that's why I like talking to people like you who are advocates for one way or another. But when <clears throat> you make the argument that says, um, you know, we're for decriminalization, but we're not for legalization, I'm sure somebody's going to come to you and say, well, yeah, but <clears throat> when you legalize it, you actually are getting tax money off of that that you wouldn't otherwise, and you have some sort of control over it that when it's just a street drug, you don't. What do you say to that? Yeah, so tax is a big talking point you know, in, in, um, in campaigns for legalization. But when we look at what's actually brought into states, there's not a state that's legalized. Like Colorado, Washington State, um, you know, Oregon, California, you, know, you pick the state. They haven't even brought in 1% of their state budget from legalization. It's more like 0.5% or something along those lines. So we're talking about something that from a state budget perspective is a tiny, tiny fraction of you know what of what's going into the state budget um and then you have to balance that against the negative costs associated with that like increased fatalities from driving under the influence which i mean AAA came out in washington state against uh legalization because they saw like a doubling in fatalities from people driving under the influence um same thing in colorado and other places plus you have increased things uh increased uh rates of use by youth we have um, increase, you know, emergency room calls, poison control center calls, and the like. And so there is also a cost. It's not just free money. Um, and just like with other drugs that are even legal, right, alcohol is legal, but there's still negative public health impacts from that. Um, same thing with cigarettes. And so when you legalize, yes, you may say, well, you know, it, it's, it's regulated, but that doesn't, it, that doesn't mean there are no public health costs associated with it. But what it does mean is there's going to be a lot more ads, commercialization, TV ads, radio, you know, online, you name it, billboards. And that's going to create a lot more people using. And with a lot more people using, you've got a lot more public health, negative public health consequences. Man, I'll tell you what, when I ask a question, I love talking to experts like yourself because you got the answers. <laughs> uh, that's, that, that is something that I've thought about quite a bit, too. I mean, you mentioned that, that that when you legalize something, regardless of really what it is, you're sort of opening your arms to it as a society and saying, now you can do this, which whatever it is, then becomes more pervasive. So in this case, drug usage would actually go up. Am I wrong? Correct. And, and it's not even just saying you can do this. It, it means we're saying we want you to do this and we're going to blast a billboard like on every, you know, at every intersection, like in Colorado, like I said, there's more stores than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not just saying, you know, you have the freedom to you know grow a plant in your backyard and smoke a joint. Nobody should have a problem with that. We as an organization don't have a problem with that. Uh, but we do commercialization, legalization means there's going to be industries, companies, and we're talking about big tobacco companies like Altria, the parent 
company of Philip Morris invested billions of dollars into the cannabis industry and legalization. Top alcohol companies, too. These are addiction for profit companies. They do their job very well. We just look, you know, we can look at alcohol or cigarettes and we know they're very effective at their advertising and at kind of getting people to overuse their products. And so the, the question that we pose to people and what we push back against is, you know, these companies shouldn't be selling marijuana as well. They're, they're already doing enough, you know, pub, negative public health <laughs> Uh, consequences as it is without adding another, uh, you know, substance for them to sell. We're talking with Will Jones this weekend. He is the Director of Community Engagement and Outreach at Smart Approaches to Marijuana, Washington, D.C. So looking across the country, of course, we've talked about Missouri, and now it's going to be legal in Missouri. Uh, whether or not it should have been a constitutional amendment was a subject of a big debate. But looking across the rest of the country, several states had this on the ballot, and it was kind of a mixed bag across the board. Do you want to speak to, you know, which states passed it which states denied it so uh, maryland was the only other state that had it on the ballot that uh that passed it um and um you know there is and, and that just goes to show a lot of people say legalization is a foregone conclusion so out of the five states that were voting on it two passed so missouri and maryland uh, so it's not like a guaranteed uh thing or a foregone conclusion and i think what we're seeing is um, as kind of as time goes on, I think more of the truth of what happens when you commercialize this is going to come out. And again, we're, no one is advocating, you know, at our organization, we're not advocating against, um, you know, saying people should get arrested or go to jail for using, you know, for smoking a joint, right? That's not what this is about. This is, should we allow big tobacco companies, alcohol companies and the like to market uh, marijuana? Um, and, you know, our slogan as an organization is preventing another big tobacco and so kind of what we saw with the tobacco industry is we don't see the immediate negative health consequences, you know, from smoking a cigarette, right? It's going to be 20 years down the road where you see, oh, you know, this person has developed, you know, lung cancer or different things like the like. And it's the same thing with marijuana. No one's saying the sky is going to fall in Missouri tomorrow because legalization passed, right? But you've got to ask the question, what is the long-term consequences of an industry that profits off of addiction and off of people using as much as possible? And that comes out kind of down the road. And so as time passes, though, we're able to pull more data from places like Colorado, um, you know, Oregon and other places, we are able to see more of a connection to the negative public health cost. And I think that's why we saw um, just two out of the five states that had it on the ballot this year, uh, two out of five passed. And so our hope as an organization is to continue to, you know, amplify the uh, negative uh, aspects of commercialization uh, such that we don't repeat what's happened with tobacco, such that we don't repeat kind of the predatory nature of the alcohol industry and commercialization that we have uh, today in, in many respects. Will, those who have listened to us talking and are interested in this, not necessarily from a personal standpoint, but more from a public policy, and they want to be able to answer or, or at least have the knowledge that you have, where do they go to find this to maybe read more about it and what you have? Yeah, www.learnaboutsam.org. Um, and we've got a whole bunch of information there. Um, you know, again, some of the data uh, from what's happening in states that have legalized trends to look out about. Um, we have annual reports, you know, pulling the data from these states that have gone down the road of commercialization. And it's really helpful. All that they're available on the website. Again, that's www.learnaboutsam.org um, and we encourage people to check that out and just you know be informed on what's happening in places that have gone down this route. Learnaboutsam.org. SAM stands for Smart Approaches to Marijuana. That's the organization that you're a part of. Will, thank you for your time this weekend. 
I'm going to depart on something that's really of not much consequence here. It's the new Weird Al movie called Weird, the Al Yankovic story. It's supposed to be a biopic about Weird Al's life and how he came to write his songs and his career. Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al and actually looks a lot like early Weird Al, other than the fact that Daniel Radcliffe is about four foot tall. And so anytime he's in a scene with anybody else, you can tell that Weird Al isn't that short. And he looks like he, especially against Rain Wilson, who plays Dr. Demento. Rain Wilson's real tall. Well, he, I mean, it kind of looks funny. That's not really the intent of the movie. It's just an extra little portion of it. But I was really hesitant to watch this movie. Weird Al's always been kind of somebody that I've enjoyed, especially as a kid. But the older you get, the you go, eh, you know, that's that's his thing. It's a thing. And it's fine. Uh, well, I've always appreciated that he was clean. You know, he, he really has, for his entire career, gone out of his way to do albums and even his movies and TV shows and and sh- and live shows are all completely clean. You can take kids to them. You can let kids watch them. Um, this movie is the same, you know, and he's really uh, he's not a right winger or anything. He's he's not nonpartisan either. He's actually pretty leftist. Which I, I I don't know why that seems weird to me to reconcile the fact that he's he's always very deliberately clean in his artistic endeavors, and he's far left. I don't know why that surprises me, but it does, and so there you go. But I I happened to watch it this week, and there was nothing in it that was political. There was really nothing in it that was dirty. In fact, I pulled one clip from it. It's the dirtiest clip in the whole movie, and you'll see it's when. Madonna comes to his house and seduces him, and all of it is supposed to be a, a biography pick. Well, it's almost all false. <laughs> so it, that's one of the reasons it's so funny is that you know there are elements of truth being told here, but everything around it is so ridiculous. Here's the clip where Madonna shows up at his house. I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song, Like a Virgin. I'm curious, is that song... Autobiographical? Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex. That's that's the dirtiest joke in the whole movie, I kid you not. Now, I, I don't think that uh, it's going to be rated G or anything because <laughs> Weird Al murders so many people in this movie. <laughs> so, again, I won't give away too many surprises, but I'll tell you just a couple things, maybe just to entice you to watch a movie that is just purely enjoyable. There's nothing to it, and it consistently is funny. Uh, the whole, you know, a lot of the movies that you, you see that are comedies, it's like they're really funny, and then they have to get serious to get you interested in them to carry a movie. This one just never stops. It's crazy the whole time. He goes through, Madonna is the villain of the movie. That's the one thing that I was going to, I'll give away, is that she gets him involved in drugs, and they don't ever really show the drugs, but hard alcohol, and he, he becomes a, a crazy lunatic on fame and alcohol, <laughs> like stuff that clearly never happened, and, uh, you know, ends up shunning all of his friends and family because he just falls so deadly in love with Madonna. Well, then she ends up taking over a drug cartel, and he murders <laughs> a ton of people in that scene. Um, but the other thing that I will share with you again, just to entice you to watch it, is that during his dark phase, when he's an alcoholic and he's drunk on fame also, 
and abandons everybody, he decides that he doesn't want to write parodies anymore. He wants to be a real artist. So he writes the song, Eat It, and then Michael Jackson steals the song from him. So Michael Jackson's Beat It in this movie is a parody of Al's original song, Eat It. And there's a lot of that stuff. <laughs> so enjoy. It's on Roku. And so Roku has a free channel that you can watch. And I don't know if you have to have a Roku device or not. Obviously, if you do, it's completely free. But if you don't, if you're watching on some other platform, you may be able to download the Roku app anyway. I don't really know. But it's free. You don't have to pay for a subscription if you have Roku. So easy to watch, easy to get. Figured I'd share that. Pick up the podcast for Wiggins America by typing in Wiggins America and getting all of our election coverage. If you're interested in that, obviously, this segment, we didn't do that. Just because it's the end of the show, let's take a breather. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.